worship. Yeah, we're going to have to be closer together because we love each other. I got it. Don't act like I need help. Oh, my goodness. How is everyone today? We've been doing a series called The Year of Yes, and we're going to be continuing that today in honor of the child dedication part of what we're doing. Um, we wanted to take a look at parenting uh, from a God perspective and saying yes to godly parenting, uh, yes to God's best in our parenting. And, and you might be saying to yourself, if you don't have children here today, does this message apply to me? Absolutely, it does, because the same core principles of how we navigate through life and through different relationship circles and temptations, um, the same principles are going to apply. We got this all set up? I feel good about it. I feel good about it. Trying to get this just so. And um, for those of you that are new, this is my lovely bride. Uh, we've been married for going on 24 years. 24 years in March. Yeah, yeah, excited about that. Um, we have raised three boys, are uh, still raising three boys. One is married. He was the guy with the guitar. And um, our second son was over here. That was the first time he's ever sang um, a solo in church today. So um, I'm the only person who can't sing in my family, apparently. Um, we're the Von Trapborns, and so excited about that. Um, and so we want to just share some lessons that we've learned along the way. And, and also, we're going to take some questions, and if we need bonus time, uh, we'll have time for that at the end of say services. So I'm going to put my number um, up here on the screen, and if you would, put it up there at this time. And if you want to, go ahead, get your phone out, and you can shoot a text because you might have a question later. If you don't take it down now, then you're not going to be able to ask that question. Um, if you remember a question later on and you want to send one to our generic uh, church email, it's info at genesismetro.org. Our staff would be happy to get back with you as soon as possible with a biblical principle that you could apply to any parenting situation. So with that in mind, uh, we'll get started with our big idea, and from this idea is going to spring forth all of the other principles that we're going to go over here today. Um, in Proverbs 22, 6, if you would put that up there, it's the famous verse, says, train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they're old, even when they're old, they will not depart from it. And so we want to use that as the, the big concept. And as we're thinking about training, our first point today is going to be aiming the arrow. So when you think about your children, you are not in control of your children. Can I, can I get an amen? You are not in control. Um, you can try to control them, but ultimately you're not in control. And ultimately one day when you release them into the wild, um, you will not be in control then. And so what you're trying to do is aim the children. You're aiming them at something. Whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, I promise you, you have already began to aim them from the moment they're born. Matter of fact, I would say before they're born, you're already aiming them because however your footsteps are walking and wherever you are walking, um, that's where you're likely going to aim your child. And so as we look at today's topics, I want you to begin thinking about that like, where are you aiming your children? And I'm going to conclude with a spoiler that if you're not aiming them at God's will for their life, then you're doing them a disservice. And I would ask you to contemplate 
how then you can get on track in 2021. Maybe this is the year that you say yes to doing it God's way, doing marriage God's way, doing parenting God's way, and then you living your personal walk out God's way. And I promise you, if you would commit to that now, it would change everything about 2021. Um, whenever we think of that word train, um, I think most of us in this day and age have trained for something. A lot of times we think of lifting and, and working out, and you got to put your body through a process of training in order to get your desired result. And my wife, in the last several years, um, has been very dedicated. My body has broken down a little bit, and so I've been out of the gym, uh, though you would never know it by looking at me. Um, <laughs> And so uh, I know that Carrie's passionate about this. I wanted her to share some of her passion. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I have a passion for working out. It's kind of just silly, but it's my thing that I, I love. It's a little thing I do. And so for the last several years, I have gone to a gym and, you know, whatever. I like the workout stuff. So a few years ago, I was um, taking a supplement after, like a post-workout. I was like, oh, this is going to make me even fitter. I'm going to make this, right? Does anybody do that? You're like, oh, there's this new thing. I have to take it. Is, any, is there anybody else? Okay, there's a few, there's a few. So I was taking this shake every day after I uh, worked out for about a year and a half. And I just kept saying like, man, I'm just not losing any weight. I don't know what the, I work out like five days a week and I'm doing all these things, I'm taking pre-stuff, post-stuff, all this. And so then someone suggested, maybe you should look at the label and see what's in that post-workout mm. thing you're taking. I was mm. like, oh. Yeah, I don't know. I just believed it when they said this product is going to make you look amazing. All right, I'm going to take this. So I read the label and realized for a year and a half, I was drinking something that had creatine in it. Do you guys know what creatine does? It's basically like bulking up. So here I'm really short and my legs are already like they're meaty. All right. I don't have no skinny bird legs. I got substantial calves. So this was just making everything swollen basically. So I couldn't fit in my jeans, you know, you can't, you're trying to like, I'm just trying to fit in my clothes, right? So I realized I was working really hard, like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. workouts. Like I was, I was, I was super dedicated. I was working really Way hard. Way dedicated. So dedicated. But I think what I learned from that, we were talking about it last night, was that I was letting something in that was working against me, even though I was working really hard. So that's the first question we wanted to pose to you today was, are you letting something in that's working against you in your parenting? Are you sure what is going in is everything that you've approved, everything that will help you get to your goals with your kids? Yeah, I think that's an important question to ask because I don't doubt that any parent in here isn't working hard. That, that's not the, the debate. I think that you can be working hard, but if you let these other things in, they begin to compete and then you're not getting the result that you want as a, a healthy, godly, God-seeking, joy-filled child. And so that's what, you're, that's what you're ultimately aiming at, right? That's what you're trying to strive towards. And so you gotta be judicious. And um, I, I would say that you have to be uh, very conscientious about what other things might be 
whether you know it or not, being let in to their lives that is offsetting and actually working against what you're trying to achieve. And that's where I think parents in today's age, I just want to say on behalf of um, all pastors in America, uh, to all parents, you are at such a disadvantage in today's culture because there's so much more access to bad things in the information age. And the moment that you put a technology device, whether it's a gaming controller, whether it's a phone, whether it's a laptop that's school issued, that they will tell you, um, you know, has all the, the filters. All the filters. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, you can't stop a determined child. You know that? I mean, that's that's the truth. And so I, I just want to encourage you, you need to know from the, from the beginning that you're at an incredible disadvantage. Therefore, your proactivity, your regimen in the training has to be all the more complete. And that's what we want to help you with today, that if some things have been let in, how do we resolve those things? How do we, how do we know? How do we have our antenna up so that we can begin to sense when things aren't right with our children? Because many times we can sense it, but we can't exactly put our finger on it. But they do definitely go through these demeanor shifts that we have to be aware it's of. It's important to pay attention when you see that. Yes. I think we, we learned that early on when you hit the middle school years, it's like the ninja level of parenting. That's where everything goes up about a thousand notches, right? So if you thought the toddler years were hard it's coming because that's hard physically and like you're tired all the time but the middle school years that will affect every facet of your being so when you see those demeanor shifts don't write it off like oh they're just tired or they're in a bad mood pay attention and do some investigating on that for sure so continuing the training theme uh, we're going to put point number two up here where i call it the trifecta um, it won't be easy but it will be worth it and all the parents said Amen, right? All the teachers said amen. Absolutely. It's not easy, but it will be worth it. Um, I don't know if you are a workout person. There's really three strands that you have to manage and you have to be in balance on. And that is your sleep, your diets, and then your workout process, however you want to do it. Lift, cardio, mixture, circuit training, however you want to do it, it doesn't matter. But the amazing thing is I've known people that are so dedicated to the lifting. I mean, I've worked out with guys that are just beasts. I mean, they're like, ah, ah, Thank you, and, thank you. Uh, no, I, I never make the noises at the gym. That's <laughs> never me. It's like, eh, okay. And so, but you see people that put that much effort into moving that much weight, and then they rob themselves because they can't eat good. They can't eat correctly. They can't eat a healthy diet. So they put all this effort in, straining out to the max, lifting as much as they can, running as far as they can, but they're not getting the desired result. Same thing with sleep. Let's say that someone eats really well and they lift so hard, but then you don't get an adequate amount of sleep where your body can't recover, so you can't get the results. So it's not as if you get equal representation from these areas. They have to be in balance. And so many times, this is a great metaphor for parenting, is that some people I think are really passionate about one part of parenting. And they want to like, you know, you're going to go to school every day, or you're going to get straight A's, or you're going to go out for the team. And, and they're really passionate, like, you know, to be dedicated to one part. And I'm going to assure you that it takes a balanced 
approach to parenting if you're going to be successful. And all three of the trifecta that's going to mimic those ones that I just mentioned in the workout world are going to be flowing directly from God. It's going to start with God and it's going to end with God. And we're going to look at three of these categories in particular, and that is love, discipline, and consistency. I, I racked my brain to try to get to a, a three words that I could give you success in parenting. Not, not, not 100% success, but virtual success in parenting because they are humans, they have a will, but we can shade the, the odds to your advantage. And so let's think about those for just a moment. Consistency, discipline, and love. All of those flow directly from God himself. And a mistake that I see a lot of parents make is they say to themselves, well, we just want to love our children. We just want to love them. Just love, love, love them. Like you get a kiss every day. You get a kiss. And like, you know what? I don't want to be too hard on them. And that turns into a permissive mindset. And that is setting your child up for a certain type of failure that we'll get into later on. And then you have the, the overcorrection of that. Let's say that in the area of discipline, you know, have you ever seen the militaristic parent? Has anybody ever seen that one? Like you will get up at 6 a.m. You will tuck this bed and you will do this. And there's nothing wrong with discipline. I love discipline. I coach all the time. My children, they will tell you from the day they've been born, like if I see them doing something and they're not doing it right, I'm going to coach it. I don't just let that go. No. You know, learn how to speak to adults. Like for instance, just watch your child when they begin to interact with adults. It's like so weird in this generation. They're like, kind of like looking over here to the side. It's like, you look I, Daniel son. You look I. And so um, that's Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid. And so, but you gotta, you gotta have discipline, but you can't have discipline without love. And then you gotta have consistency. If, if you're not consistent in modeling the behavior, then before too long, they're going to follow your example. And they're going to be just as consistent in their lives as you are in yours. And so a great self-regulator of why you need to have God as the centerpiece and the foundation stone is because if you're not consistent in your relationship with God, then they're not going to be consistent in their relationship with God. And in God, we have these things that we call absolute truths, okay? In the world, there's no such things as absolutes. And in today's culture, would you agree just by shaking your head that whatever you thought was absolute when you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, some of you maybe 50 years ago, were those absolutes, are they still in play today in today's culture? Or has the, the line changed in almost every area of morality? Has it? Yes, absolutely. Well, if that's the case, if, if, if the world is constantly changing, and then how you were raised, most parents raised their children how they were raised. But at best, you are only at your best. Do you want to parent from your best, or would you rather have God's best? Which, which one do you want? Because at your best, I promise you, you got some blind spots and your children will expose those blind spots. If you're a fun-loving parent who's like, yeah, let's live by the seat of our pants and let's never correct them. And when they knock the sippy cup up, I'll pick it up 15 times. Well, 
you're instilling patterns into that child that you're always going to come along and fix their mistakes. So then that child goes to school and now you get a bad grade. Oh, now I'm going to send a letter to the, to the counselor because it can't be possible that my baby made a C or a D. Yes, your baby did because your baby didn't learn discipline. They didn't learn that they got to buckle down. They can't just have fun. They just can't play on the Xbox. And so these absolute truths do not, they're not, they're not retained in human beings. We, our philosophies don't have absolutes, but God does. So if you build upon God's absolutes, you can know, you can trust it, take it to the bank that his precepts, principles, and patterns are absolutely going to work 100% of the time. That was a lot. I had a lot, had a to, lot say to say there. A lot to say. Another thing, too, that we were talking about this is when we don't get the desired result from them, we tend to react, right? We tend to react to what we're seeing instead of maybe what's under the surface, what the root is. So we found, we, we found that in parenting. We have to correct ourselves and check ourselves on that. But we see it commonly as well, that there's a reaction to the result instead of really addressing the root cause of what's going on. Yeah, that's point number three. Work on the root, not the result. Give you an example. Let's say that your child is acting selfish. Can anybody, does anybody's child ever acted selfish? All right. Um, and if, if you're married without kids, just say, have your spouse, has your spouse ever acted selfish? And then you can apply the same rules. Um, and so what we do is we tend to react to the bad behavior, right? We, we see them snatch the toy away, or if they get older, it's, you know, they're being selfish with their their time and you're like, you know, acting ugly to their friends on, dude, I've had to correct my children on Xbox. They are so mean to one another. It's like, you're trash, bro. You're trash. And I'm like, hey, who are you talking to? <laughs> like, I don't, they're like, well, they're talking like that. Like, I don't no. care what they're talking like. That's not what we're going to talk like. And so um, you will correct. If you're not careful though, you'll react to the bad behavior, and, and what you'll do is it'll, it'll look like this. You'll say, okay, because you did this bad behavior, now I'm going to punish you. And at the Bourne household, up until they're through right at middle school, sixth, seventh grade, we are a spanking plus take things away type of family. And that is not a born philosophy, that is a Bible philosophy. And, and I'm not saying that you have to spank, I'm just saying that the Bible recommends corporal punishment and there's a very specific reason for it that. It also says if you use the rod, they're not gonna die. Right. You know, so it, it also says that, that so funny when I you that. will spare their soul from Sheol. And literally that's, you could translate that paraphrase it, you can beat the hell out of your kids. <laughs> the spiritual place, okay? Um, and so, that was free. That's not in the notes. So whenever you're, nope. whenever you're reacting, it is down at the bottom. Um, whenever you're reacting, I want you to think about this for a moment that you, you might say, well, okay, now I'm going to ground you or I'm going to take something away because you acted badly. Well, let me ask you a question. What is the root, though, of that behavior? Are you addressing that? If all you do is punish the bad behavior, what your child takes away from that is, when I do this, I get a punishment. But you have to take them down a a conceptual level, a reasoning level of where did that selfish behavior come from and why is it wrong and what benefits or what 
uh, physical, or uh, sorry, what kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Habits do you want to replace the bad behavior with? So for instance, um, we might say that this week, if we have chores to do, that you are going to do your brother's chores for the week. Or we might lend our children to other families that we are friends with. You're and, mow they, everybody's lawn. and they go mow people's lawns and they don't get paid for it. Um, and and they, they learn to be self-sacrificing. And that is a, a, a behavior that we're replacing, see, the bad behavior with. And so if you just stop at punishment, I think punishment is appropriate, but it's not the end game. And so once again, that balance, you got to have consistency, love, and discipline. So you have to train the new behavior in. If they're lying, then you have to work on telling the truth. And you might want to go grab a verse and they have to write that verse, let's say a hundred times, because you're wanting them to see that it's not just your philosophy as a parent that you're coaching from, you're coaching from God's word, how they should interact in this world. And so it, it gives them a different set of circumstances because when that foundation isn't consistent in you, what you'll find is your children begin to wobble and they might even begin to sink. And here's the alert for you. As they get older and they, their peer group expands, middle school and high school, maybe even on into college years, if you're not careful, they will look to substitute the foundation of you being the voice in their life to their friends, to the internet, to Instagram, Snapchat, everything, that becomes the foundation. And that is a dangerous place. Whenever you have lost the foundation of God, and now they replace it with the friend's voices, the friend's opinions, now you're in trouble. Because a teenager believes that they know. When we know that they don't know, and they believe that their friends know, and they don't know. And the friend's parents that allow the things that you know are biblically wrong, they begin to think that those parents are right if you're not careful in teaching them not from your philosophy, but from God's word, what we're going to stand on and why we're going to stand on it. Well, because the whole idea is that they begin to adapt it for themselves as a life code, basically. That it's not, I do it just because my mom and dad make me do it, but that they start adapting it and they start really embracing that of their own heart. One of the things Tim and I were talking about was that this is a marathon, right? Parenting is not like a quick sprint or like I decided to go for a walk today because it was COVID and they said you should walk couple times a week. You know, you can't just wake up one day and decide you're going to run a marathon. Is anybody, if you were going to run a marathon, you would know there would be some training involved, right? So it takes, actually I did a little research. It takes five to six months to train. You can go from a couch to a marathon in five to six months. Did you know that? Tom, you should do it this year. You can. It's, the internet said you could do it. I believe you can. So this marathon training is, is something else. I mean, you, you, uh, one of the things I read was that the best way is to have a plan. So it's like you have these weekly goals. You have to put long runs in, short runs, uphill runs, like, you know, hit workouts, sprints, all that. All of that has to be factored into your weekly training that leads up to this, like, you know, this big marathon that you're going to run, which is going to take a toll on 
on your body, the marathon is. It's going to leave you with all kinds of joint issues. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't have a plan for what's going to happen while you're running that race, you could quickly go through the stores that your body has to really support you metaphysically. And then your body can get into this place where it's like, pulling from fat cells and that doesn't have enough energy to support you. There's this whole nerd out thing about it. And then what happens is you hit the wall. Mm. It's called the runner's wall. And I was wondering if anybody ever Any parents like in here? Parenting wall. Hey, raise your hand if you've ever hit the wall. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You've all, you hit that wall. But I have had enough. <laughs> yes. And that's when you tap out. You're like, you're up. I'm taking a 10 minute time out for mom. Has anybody gotten there? Take mm. a breath. Mom is going to count to 10 for a moment. But as I was thinking about this, as as it is in parenting, you know, we can't just get up and decide we're going to run that. We have to prepare for it. And that is exactly how it is in parenting, that we need to wrap our lifestyle around God's word. We have to wrap our lifestyle around this idea of godly parenting. Like if you were going to train for a marathon, it would become your life. You would schedule everything around your trainings and your runs and how you were going to do that. That is exactly the way it is in parenting. Everything becomes about that. And it kind of dictates what we do when we do it, how we do it. Yeah, this, this set of verses actually uh, does really well. You want to be our reader? Yes, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, one of our favorites. says, Hear, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. I think pretty familiar with that one. God. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And here, here it is. Pay attention here. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Mm. What we love about this is that this tells us that we, this is integrated into every layer of our day. When you get up in the morning, when you leave to go out about your day, when you come back home, when you're sitting around the table at night, write it on your forehead, get that stuff all over them, right? On the doorpost, on the gates of your house. I wouldn't literally write it on their forehead, but you know, figuratively. Right. But this is, this is what they did in the Old Testament. And it tells us this is a pattern for us to follow, that this has to become so integrated. I, I, I met with a mom a couple of weeks ago who uh, was having some trouble with her middle schooler who's feeling a lot of anxiety and depression. And some of us have probably seen that, especially in the last year. It's not just us that have struggled with mental anxiety. Our kids have as well. And we were talking, she was telling me all the things they were doing to combat this. They've gotten counselors, they're working on medication and, you know, all these things. And she was giving this long list and I I said, well, what are you doing to combat this spiritually? Because I was hearing a long list of things, which we need to do. We have to combat things with counseling and with, and with friends and, you know, strong voices. But if we don't first have the tool in place to combat this spiritually, we don't really stand that big of a chance because this is the foundation, like Tim mentioned a while ago. We have to put this in place and implement it. So we can't do anything without these truths being overarching over our kids' lives. It has to be in there. Yeah, I want, I want you to think about this for a moment, what that would mean, that you have to wrap your life around something. Everyone in here, you have a, a center of your universe, like the sun is for ours, right? Everything is in a gravitational pull in relationship to the sun because the sun is the biggest thing, right? Does everybody follow me? Science, right? And so in your life, there's a gravitational pull around whatever is the biggest thing in your life. So if money is the biggest thing in your life, 
you will see that all of your decisions at the end of the day revolve around that. If it's about your career, if it's about your marriage, or if it's about your children, we can make idols out of any created thing. And so what we're advocating for is that you need to wrap your lifestyle, your life decisions, your priorities, your money, your time, you need to wrap it around God. Wrap it around the God things first, and then you can distill out what will be next on the priority chart. But if you put God in the first spot, everything else will work. I want to give a couple of examples of that. Um, this is what we're aiming for. And this is a picture of, of my family. Um, the, my family, my children are not perfect. I have shared numerous stories over the years. My children know that anything is able to become a sermon illustration. Um, and so, you know, and we are not done. We have not, you know, raised perfect children. But I want to say this. We have raised godly children. And we have one that leads worship, one that preaches on Wednesday nights. And we have the other one. You'll see him at the top. He's already serving and teaching lessons back in the GM kids areas. And how do we accomplish that? It's because my children know, and it's not because, don't, don't you dare put me in, well, he's a pastor. That No. I'm a Christian, and I would do this if I was you sitting in the audience going and working a regular job, but we wrap our entire life around God, around what God wants us to do. We make decisions on our schedule based upon what's best for our relationship with God because there's so many booby traps that are out there that you can get into a sport, and I've seen dance. I've seen cheerleading. I've seen basketball, baseball. I've seen that literally rob people of the spiritual foundation that they had in the best interest. They were like, they just wanted to get involved, get their kid involved. And those are good things. But you can't wrap your life around that because at the end of the day, is baseball going to save their soul? No. Is baseball going to lead them in the way that they should go? Will it be a foundation that stands up under the temptations of life? No. And to give you a, a further illustration, just to go full nerd on you, if you went to church every Sunday for, for the 18 years, let's say that right out of the womb, you were at church on that Sunday, okay? You got 18 years worth of Sunday. So you multiply 18 times 52, that's 936 hours, okay? If you, if you count a sermon as an hour, 936 God hours will be spent listening to God advice. That's one season of Lone Star football, okay? One season. I want, you to, I want you to marinate on this, parents. If all you have is Sunday mornings and you don't wrap your life when you're walking day by day with them, when you're eating at the dinner table, when you're going on family vacations, if you're not wrapping it around God, guess what? That one season plus all the other school things, plus all the other chatting, and plus all the other gaming with all these other, those voices are going to be way louder than just the 936 hours they get from the church. Those other voices are competing with the God voice in their life. So you have to be in tune, and you have to be searching after God in your life. Otherwise, those other voices, they're going to drown out the God voice in your life. So more than just Sundays, it has to be a lifestyle. And you might want to consider 
what things might you have to eliminate? We've even gone through seasons where we eliminated all extracurriculars so that we could focus our family on what God wanted. If they miss a season, trust me, when they're 25, that season is not gonna matter. But if it was a season they struggled, and you allowed those things to take precedent over the God voices, the God times in their life, and now they end up making decisions that are going to affect the rest of their lives, you'll regret that as parents. But you'll never regret that they were here every Wednesday night for Fuse, that they went to every camp, even if the coaches said they might cost them their starting job. Who cares? If they get it right for God for the rest of their lives, it doesn't matter what you lose in this world if you get God right. And the parents said, oh, that's good. That's good. preach, preach it, Pastor Tim. I encourage myself in the Lord. Yes, I heard that. That's good. Uh, one last verse to share with you, and this will be our final wrap up. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Let's just read that one really quick. Yes. And says, I'll take questions. If you have them, please text them to yeah, me. Yeah, you can start texting and he'll read through these. This verse says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. So there's our word again, trained. So the thing we want to say, our last point is that it might be painful rather than pleasant, but it does produce peaceful fruit. And that's what we're going at. So at every level of parenting, every age of your kids, no matter what age you have, you can implement this into that level. It will seem painful in the moment. It's not fun to try to outlast a three-year-old on the sippy cup throwing, right? Has anybody, do you know what I mean? Like they, you, they throw it down and you pick it up. After a while, you're like, I have become a chess piece on their board. They're playing me, right? You realize that. I can remember Titus, um, he was, I don't know, six or seven, and I wanted him to eat broccoli. He's about to have a war with food. And he was like gagging, acting like he was gagging. Like, and I'm like, I mean, we had been at this for 30 or 40 minutes. I'm like, if you throw now, that broccoli. I, let, me, let me share one thing real quick. In the born house growing oh. up, we definitely had a different philosophy that if you didn't Wait, like something. Your born house? Yeah, my born house. Your childhood. My childhood. That you didn't have to eat something we you didn't We had to finish like. our plate. Harry was raised in. Southern the house. plate has to have the and reflection. And you slop it up with a biscuit, like the leftover butter or honey, and you Lord, eat it all, have right? mercy. I love food. That's why I love food. He doesn't. Yeah, right? So the first time I saw this playing itself out, she's like, you will eat that broccoli. I was, I was like. I was militaristic when he they He doesn't were like it, though. I'm like, that doesn't. He has to eat. He, he doesn't get to decide what he eats. This is what we made. He's eating it. But if you don't like it. It's funny the things he's light, lightened up about, the things that he, it's funny. That's funny. Just so you know, he did throw it up. He, he did. I was he like, called you her will bluff. eat your vomit right now. And Tim was like, I think it's time for I, a I break. think we're done. I think we're done. You're in time out. This that is not a hill that. to die on is what I, what I said. No, those, those standoffs with those little ones, they'll get you. You'll be exhausted by the time you put them to bed. But that's, it's, not, it's not fun for you either. It's inconvenient. It's like mentally exhausting, all the things. But it's like in the moment, especially when they get to, we mentioned middle school and older elementary, and they start manipulating you, and you realize like they have put some thought into this. They have a strategy against you, and you realize like they're really going for it, like full out. That's a difficult place to be. It's difficult, but it does produce fruit. We were also thinking about uh, Jordan when he was younger. He uh, tried to slap a wig off a lady in a restaurant. Remember that? My, my, my dad um, was, uh, my mom had passed away and my dad was dating 
Um, and that's a new, new fun thing whenever your parents start dating at older weird. ages. Weird. And uh, she had this jet black wig. and Long dude, jet black I don't curly. even know what went through his mind, but he slapped that thing as hard as he could. I just caught him by the arm, and we just kept walking, and <sighs> we had to go through some discipline over that. And so, yeah, it's, it's not ever going to be easy, but, but what you tolerate is what's going to grow. If you don't pull those weeds out at the young age, boy, I'm telling you, the next thing you know, they're doing things that are way worse when they get older. Well, and one of the things that we talk about a lot is the patterns that you see and the behaviors that you allow at two, three years old. You just fast forward 10 years. It's not cute. No. It's not when they no, look at you and they say no. Like you tell them to do right. something, they look you straight in the eye and they say no. That is your moment. Right, if you and, allow that. And dads, let me tell you something. You are weak if you sit there and you let your children disrespect your mom. If they learn to disrespect their mom, they will carry that exact same disrespect into their marriage when they get older. You don't allow that. You're not allowed to sit on the sidelines and just say, oh, I'll let her take care of it. No, you hear disrespect, you are in their face and we are dealing with this right now. Get in the game. Get you're not, in the game. You're not going to disrespect you your don't mom. want that behavior at 12, 13 years old. And that's what you'll see. If you allow it when they're young, that's what you're going to see manifest in 10 years. Just take it to the bank. Whatever you allow when they're younger, that's and what I'm telling you out. right now, not even a little bit. You say like, oh, that was boring. No, it's not. You don't allow a little bit. Because it's the theory that policing uses of the broken windows. You say, well, it's just a broken window. Why police that? Because the broken window turns to a break-in, turns to a... It has an escalating effect. And so if you allow that disrespect to occur, like if you say, yes, ma'am, no, sir, which I think you should be saying, you should teach your children that, yes, ma'am, no, sir. And if they don't say that, then you reinforce it until they say it. And you learn to teach them when they're at school, when they're at church. You say, yes, ma'am. You say, no, sir. And you say, well, I mean, do you have to be that rigid about it? I mean, like, can we? Yes, you have to be that rigid about it because it teaches them a respect for authority. That is actually a segue to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they don't have an appreciation for authority, then that means that they don't have an appreciation for right and wrong. If they don't have an appreciation for right and wrong, then they don't have an appreciation for sin and its consequences. But if they learn that when I do wrong, it has consequences from my father, then it is a great segue to, because we have sin in our lives, it had consequences from the father, but God made a way through Jesus for us to receive grace. And so you're actually preaching the gospel by instilling love, discipline, and consistency. Which are all the things the Father is trying to teach us. Mm. Is it not? That's what this is. It's a mirror of it. That was really good. Really good. All right. We got questions. Um, and I, I'll go rapid fire. We're actually going to um, abbreviate um, our reflection time so that we can have time for all of this. I already notified the band. But uh, first Christian question. Christian question. Christian Just parents. questions. And online people, did they get my number too? If they want to ask questions, perfect. Um, do you have any Christian-based books easy to apply for us raising our children? Well, we used, when, we've, when, we, when I was pregnant with Jordan, we read the series Baby Wise. And that's what we planned basically everything around. Now, a lot of people don't like Baby Wise, but it basically teaches you 
uh, parent-centered learning. It's not child-centered, so that your kid is not learning to grow up where the entire world revolves around them at home. So baby-wise is based on Christian principles, and it goes all the way through, like it goes toddler-wise, I don't know, it goes all the way up, all the way up. But we took the, the big principles out of those books and we applied them. It teaches you things like the high chair training, like very practical things that would, that would get these uh, really pillars in place within them internally. And it's never too late to start. So you're like, hey, listen, my kid's 10. I missed all the, I messed it all up. Well, you can start anytime, but that's, that's a good one. And I think their love, the kids love languages is another one too. That's a really good book. Yeah. And again, I think with not much effort on a Google search, um, finding Bible verses. Um, you can literally type in Google Bible verses on selflessness, Bible verses on gratitude, and just reinforce that verse and why it's important. So that's why punishment looks for me, uh, looks like for me, whenever I sit my child down, it'll be a discussion of where that came from, what the, what the long lasting effects, if we keep doing this, do you want to be the, known as the person who doesn't tell the truth? Do you, do you want your character to be called into question? No. Okay. Well then what do we need to do differently so that you don't get in that position? It, don't, don't think that they're too young to start reasoning with them on the proper level. That was one of the questions. If we weren't a Christian family or maybe ha were away from our faith and we didn't put this baseline in, how do we recover from that? I would say, number one, start modeling it and your behavior. Um, again, if they're older children, then you if they're out of your house, then you have to be consistent just in your, the way you walk, and then you constantly are, are trying to invite them back into that path. Because as I've heard, parenting doesn't stop when they graduate high school. No. They're like, man, parenting adult children might be harder than actually parenting them when they're young. I've heard a lot of people talk about that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to rapid fire through some of these. How do you stay consistent teaching in, in teaching without it working against us, uh, like wearing the kids out? Now, this is a good one. Um, to me, this is like the marathon training, and um, I, I believe it's more art than science, unfortunately. It will be dependent upon the child. Um, like our youngest son is the nice one. Um, the, the older two were different. He's in here right now, actually. Um, like, okay. He, he does not require a strong hand in order for him to correct behavior. A stern word and he's ready to, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, the middle one is going to argue no matter what, no matter what. Like pinned down, obviously wrong, caught red-handed, video evidence, 700 witnesses, and yet it'll be like some, you know, nonsensical argument. And then he'll he, reword it a different way yeah. if the first one did it. But work. what if, like, it doesn't matter? And I have a good saying, if you want this, borrow, borrow this saying. Um, whenever the children start telling me why they did something wrong, I always say, I don't need to know why you did the wrong thing, because at the end of the day, you did the wrong thing. Let's focus on how we're going to do the right thing, because they always have a reason, right? that they did the wrong thing, but it doesn't matter what your reasoning was. It was obviously wrong because you did the wrong thing. So let's focus on how we could reason that differently. So I would say that this is where you have to have resolve. I, uh, you, your goal is not 
for your children to like you when you get to the middle school and high school years. If you thought that was like your end game, I'm going to assure you that if you want to be liked, then you are going to allow them to do things that will absolutely shatter their lives and possibly break them for a lifetime. So I hedge to the side of saying, you know what? You're not going to like it when I take this thing. You're not going to like it when I punish you. You're not going to like it when you don't, you're not allowed to go over to that friend's house because I know that when you're around all those jack wagons that they don't have rules around YouTube and the videos that they watch or the internet sites that they troll or the type of language that they use. And so I'm not going to allow my kids to stay there. As a matter of fact, until they're, until they're older, um, you, sh you probably, if, if they're not a godly household that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, why can't they just stay till 10 o'clock and come home? Because theoretically, they're going to bed, right? So let them hang out. But staying the night, I think you get into a lot of danger zones pretty quick. All right, next question, Carrie, I'll let you take it. Unless you had something to say there? Well, I was just going to say the little caveat there to that question was like without wearing them out. So how do you implement the stuff without wearing them out? And I think just a quick tip is don't, don't react emotionally. Like keep your resolve, keep your head about you. If you, like I'm an emotional reactor, Tim is not. So like I need to rely on him to go, hey, like you're reacting. You need to, you know, and you have to allow them to be able to help you do that. Because I think that emotional reaction will wear them out pretty quickly. And then they'll have your number. They'll tune you out. Um, someone asked how um, they can help support other families that are outside of their own and their, and their parenting. Like, how can you lend a hand, so to speak? Um, the number one thing that I would encourage is that that is parents need to be proactive in what I call inviting a multitude of godly voices into your children's lives. So the way that I approach that is when we've had those moments, and I will tell you, heartbreaking moments when your children do the wrong thing. It's like you just literally get kicked in the gut and all the air goes out of your human body. And um, I think that a lot of parents, you want to keep secrets because either you're embarrassed or you feel like it's embarrassing for other people to know. I'm going to tell you that's a trap. You should invite, if you have, you know, fellow life group members, which uh, unapologetic commercial, if you don't have community, then this is where you're going to fail at having a plurality of voices. So whenever you have life group leaders and you have your pastors, you have people you serve on teams with at the church, you're building a community. And I tell my children, I'm going to let my friends know. I'm going to let Hollis and Ben know that this happened, that this is a struggle. And I want you to know that you can always talk to them if there's times where you might feel uncomfortable for whatever reason talking to me. But I don't want them to go running to just anybody. I don't want them to go talking to their jack wagon friends for sure. Sure, but if you don't have godly voices around them, then who else are you going to invite in the conversation? See, that's where you have to be one step ahead in the community that you're building right now. Okay, um, what about inconsistencies from outside that we cannot control at the moment? Example, lessons at school that are contradictory to patterns of discipline uh, from grandparents or I'm sorry, discipline from grandparents, always a tricky subject. Um, generally, uh, the honorable intention is there, but the method causes strife. Mm. You want to tackle that? 
yes. I remember that we just got to the point that we would say we have to reprogram when they come home from the grandparents' house. Like we knew there was like two to three days where you just had to reprogram them because, you know, and we're going to do it too. Tim's always like, I can't wait for y'all to have kids. I can't, I'm going to feed them ice cream. Oh, I'm revenge. Like, be that guy, right? They're going to have to reprogram every time they come to our house. It's like a thing that we do. I don't know why we do it, but there's a thing you have to do. So I would say what I did with my mom and she giggles now because I remember us writing out instructions and sending them with Jordan. And she's like, thanks for the instruction book on the baby. Got it. Now I see how insulting that probably was. But I was very, like, I was like, he has to take a nap at this time of this day. He's, he's sleep trained. This is important. If you get him off sleep, we'll, none of us will sleep. It was all those things. And I, I had to learn, like, when to, like, give my mother instructions who raised three successful daughters and when, like, to back off. But I, I, I know that I did talk to her about this is why we do this. This is why um, we love your help in this when you have them. We want you to have the kids. So we want you to help us and partner with us in this. Have a conversation. But be okay that like let them be grandparents and have fun too that's fun as far as the school stuff do you want me to answer that really quick well we're up against a hard stop well just inconsistencies with school i would say um we always just talk through those things we don't we don't we don't ignore it no if there's inconsistent uh uh, discipline that's happening at school or inconsistent teaching or Or, yeah just principles like whenever they're getting indoctrinated by a liberal uh, philosophy that is not in keeping with the Bible. Um, we, we're not a send our child to school to try to debate every teacher, but we are going to say, you know, this is what the Bible teaches, and this is where it doesn't line up with what you're being taught at school, and this is going to be something that you're going to face all of your lives because there's not agreement um, on the truths that are sometimes taught um, in secular school, but that's not something that we have to run away from. It's just something that we have to address as it comes up. All right. Um, so we are at 10.50. Wow. Our next service starts at 11. Um, <laughs> this, is what, this is what I'll do. And there are people in the parking lot right now that um, are here for the child dedication that there's no parking spot. So we're going to try to move judiciously um, through this transition. Um, but I will tell you this. We'll do a, um, a podcast type of episode uh, this week and answer uh, the rest of the questions. And so just be looking for that on Facebook and online. And make sure that you share um, this service in your social media uh, strands because I think there's a lot of people that are looking for this type of information. And if you help out, it might lead them to some truths that they don't have currently. Um, a couple of quick announcements before we go. Um, up on the screen, um, this is our text for guests. Um, our connection team would love to follow up with you. And so if you wouldn't mind, uh, text this number and our connection team will hit you right back. If you are a member and you would like to give today, you can text to give at this option. Obviously, whenever we hear lessons like this that are life-changing, this helps us. This helps us to present the truth, and we believe in giving and investing in that next generation at Genesis Metro. Um, I think we have a fuse. Uh, winter conference that's coming up in a couple weeks. That's another God opportunity that we encourage you, encourage you to make sure that your kid is at. It's not something that you put out there as a choice like, hey, son, would you like to go to this? You say, hey, we're going to wrap our lives around God and we're going to say yes to these opportunities. And you can go. As a matter of fact, you encourage them to invite their friends to these opportunities because they can be life changers. What else you got? We have DGM in a couple weeks. And we also have a churchwide survey that's going out today. 
So look for that in your email. If you don't have an email from us, that means we don't have your email address. So email us at info at genesismetro.org and let us know what your email address is and then we'll get it to you. And that email is going to revolve around how can we serve people better and um, we're trying to work on creating different climates that might possibly help um, people that are more uh, mask-centric to be able to have an environment that they uh, can feel safe in. And so we really would like your feedback from that. Also, if you would like to help serve in one of our amazing kids' ministries, you can simply always use the name of that ministry at genesismetro.org. And um, if you're new to our church and you say, Tim, we want to help out, we want to serve, which we believe every family is called to serve in the church, um, please send us an email and we'll get you trained up and we'll get you in the game. Um, if you could move expeditiously out the door so that we could create, 